Today is, uh, we're kind of wrapping up this series and we've been celebrating our graduates. Uh, it reminded me of the story of two students. They were college students getting ready to end their college career and move on to what was next. And these two men were looking at each other and they realized that this is the end of their senior year and they had never done anything that would resemble anything close to any rebellion or rebellious activity or anything crazy. They don't have any stories to, to leave college and tell their friends about later on. And so they decided that they would finally, at the, the, the day before their last final, they were going to do something uh, that for them was considered crazy. They were going to skip out on their curfew on the university campus. They were going to skip out. They were going to go to the next town over, and they were going to watch uh, the midnight debut of the next uh, superhero movie that was going to come out. And so they got all their plans together. They did not tell their RA. They did not do anything that they should have done to, to receive the pass, to be gone for that night. That was their rebellious activity that they were going to do. And they went out, and they watched the movie, and they decided it was when they came out, it was too late to drive back to uh, the, the campus. So they were just going to sleep in their car, wake up the next morning, drive to the school, take their final, and be done. Well, they did not set the alarm on their phones and so when uh, morning came, they slept right through their final, and they woke up in the middle of the time that they should have been taking their last final, and sheer panic took over, because if you know students who've never done anything wrong, they, when something like that would happen, that would seem like the end of the world to them, and it did. And so they were wondering, how in the world can we, what can we do, what can we tell the professor, what can we do to, to be able to take this final, to not, to, to not fail this final, and We'd still pass college, but it wouldn't look as good. So they decided, one of them decided, let me handle it. So they go back to the university. They walk into the professor's office and they say, um, you know, Professor, we were, we were watching this movie and, and, and we were coming back uh, and we had a flat tire. And, and we, we didn't make it. It was because our car broke down. We had full intentions of taking the final. We've studied for it. We're ready to go. And the professor looked at, at, looked at the other one that wasn't speaking, and he said, well, is this true? And the other one just kind of got bug-eyed for a second and then shook his head real quick. Yeah, this is, this is true. This is really what happened. And so the professor said, why don't you guys come back tomorrow morning? I'll, uh, I'll have your finals waiting for you. You can take them in separate rooms, turn them in, and you can be done. So both of the boys breathed a sigh of relief. They went back. They uh, packed up their dorm rooms. They studied that night for the final again, and so they could go in the next morning. They show up, the final's handed to them in a, in, a, in a sealed thing with the sticker on the edge that they have to tear open. They go into their separate rooms, and they tear the final open to find that the final only has one question on it. Which tire? <laughs> Finals can be tricky, and uh, today we are... We are wrapping up this series called Set Apart, and thankfully this is uh, not exactly a final like students have had to take over the last few weeks. Uh, but we are, we are wrapping this up, and we are looking at some of the final things that, that correlate with this, this idea of being set apart. And uh, for the last five weeks, we have been talking about what it means to live a holy life what holiness exactly means. And we started out by looking at a very broad picture of holiness. We looked at a very simple definition. Holiness is Christ-likeness. If you want to be holy, if you want to be set apart, simply 
become like Jesus, right? And, and that sounds very simple. That sounds very easy. Another definition is holiness equals love. Why? Because God is love, because Jesus was the human representation of God on earth, and he was love. And if we're going to become like Jesus, we therefore need to be love. And that is what holiness can mean. And again, that's a very broad, simple picture of holiness. But then after we talked about that and we looked at some of the, the origins of the idea of becoming holy, we watched that video a few weeks ago uh, from the Gospel Project. I encourage you, go back and watch that again. That's a great video. Uh, but we looked at some of the origins of the idea of holiness, and it was started out as a very ritualistic thing. God wanted his people to be literally set apart from those around them. They were going into a land that was full of, of other people, of other gods. He wanted them to set, be set apart from that. So he gave them rituals and things to do to remain clean, to remain pure. And when they would fail to meet those things, there would have to be sacrifices and things made to return that purity. And, and then we, uh, we watched, in the, in later on in that video, it told us about the prophet Isaiah and his vision. He ended up in God's throne room, and he knew that he shouldn't be in there because he was not pure enough to be in the presence of God because the presence of God to any impure thing is dangerous. And so uh, when Isaiah was expecting to completely get just obliterated by God's holiness, a seraphim flies down, touches a coal to his lips, and instead of being wiped out because he's impure, the, the coal actually made Isaiah pure. And so now we're moving away from all these different things that we do to be pure to God coming into our lives where it should be dangerous because God's so pure, and then God makes us pure. And so then it's no longer actions we do to get to a state of holiness. Now it is uh, an action that takes place that then leads to us becoming holy, leads, leads to change in action. So we, we've talked about that. And we talked about the fact that we are made holy by him. There's nothing that you or I can do to earn our own holiness. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And there have been times in our history, in the history of the Church of the Nazarene, there have been times in the history of the Church Universal, where we've had it backwards. We have said, you know what, we need to have all of our ducks in a row first. We need to, have, we need to wear the right clothes. We need to do the right things. We don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with girls that do. And when we do that, we then are holy and we're good enough to then be in church and be in God's presence. But God says, no, no, no. You've got it all backwards. You've got it all backwards. It's nothing that you do. Now, actions will change later, but they only change because I'm going to make a change inside of you first. And let me tell you, there have been a lot of people I know, I know personally, that have been the victims of holiness that's been, been, uh, uh, been strived for by personal measures. There have been a lot of people who have been looked down on because they weren't considered holy or good enough in churches and in places where that shouldn't have happened. And if you're one of those people this morning, let me on behalf of the church apologize for that because that is not at all what holiness is about. That is not at all what Christ was about. That is not at all what love is about. Holiness is not achieved on our own. It's done for us by God. And then we, uh, we talked about the fact that we are set apart to him. Uh, we, there's no coincidence that in the Old Testament, when, we re, when uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments for the people of Israel, that the very first commandment 
was what? You shall have no other gods before me. And then when we get to the New Testament, Jesus comes along and they say, uh, what's the greatest commandment? They try to trick Jesus, right? And they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus does the thing that only Jesus can do. And he can take everything and he boils it down into this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it comes down to exclusively having a relationship with God. There's nothing in this world that should equal God's place or take God's place because when we live a holy and surrendered life, we are saying, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, uh, the focus of my life off of me or off of something in this world that it should not be on, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to put it on God. That doesn't mean that we don't slip back. That doesn't mean that we don't fall. That doesn't mean that we don't mess up. But that means that we're always moving towards God. We're always moving towards a, a, a surrendered, exclusive relationship with God. It, it, it in, uh, as Chip described it a few weeks ago, it's kind of like it's marriage terminology. It's relational terminology. We are saying that uh, we are going to exclusively, for lack of a better term right at this moment, we are going to exclusively date God and God alone. And even though we may fall, even though we may mess up, we're still moving towards that reality. And so that's where we've been. And today we're arriving at the very last part of this, and that is being set apart for him. Um, when we, when we get to this point, when we're on the last week of this series, we're really, we're asking the question, why? Why do we go through this? Because holiness is not easy. Uh, it, it, we can make it sound easy. We can make phrases that make it sound easy, but it's not something that's just easily done. It takes work. It takes, it takes um, striving to, to, to uh, love God alone and, and forsake the things that we've that we've fallen in love with in other places. And, and that's not easy to do. And so why should we put forth the work? Why should we put forth the effort? Why should we, why should we enter into this exclusive surrendered relationship with God? And the answer to that this morning is we are set apart to be used by God. We are set apart so that when the time comes, God can use us to complete the mission that he has for the world. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, those who, are, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for, uh, for a special purpose, made holy, useful by the master, and prepared to do any good work. When we are living lives of holiness, when we are in that exclusive relationship with God, when we have, when we have said, God, you know what? I don't just want... I, I don't just want you in in this area of my life or in this area of life. I want you to take my whole entire life. When we do that, God can then use us for his his will, his purpose, his mission in the world. And really what we're going to find out today, we're going to look here in just a moment at uh, a a verse in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at when the Holy Spirit first came and fell on the very first uh, believers of the church. Uh, but what we're going to find is we're going to find this actually, is in, this actually is achieved by two different 
things. We're set apart uh, because, first off, God intended it to be that way. And we are at our best when we are doing what we are intended to do. And second, so that God can use us to complete his mission. Ephesians 1, uh, verse 4 says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Pastor Chip touched on this, uh, I believe, last week. But if you go all the way back to the very beginning, if you go back to the garden, if you go back to Genesis, you find that we were not made and created with a bent towards sin. We were not, we were not created uh, fallen. We were created uh, perfect as God created us. We were, we, God made us and said that we were very good. And God had that exclusive relationship with us. He used, he used Adam and Eve in the garden to be stewards of all that he had created. And that was how God intended it to be. And so therefore, uh, when we live a holy life, we are actually returning back to that state. We are living as we were intended to be. And that has um, significant uh, effects on our lives. And we're going to read uh, this verse here in Acts, and we're actually going to talk about the whole story. But I want to focus specifically on Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. At this point in, in the story, Jesus has died on the cross. He's come back to life. He's been with his followers for 40 days, and he's getting ready to go up into heaven. And they're sharing one last uh, meal together before this happens. And uh, Jesus is instructing them, okay, it's time for you guys to head to Jerusalem, and you're going to wait there. And you're going to wait there for a gift that God is sending to you. Uh, and, and it's better that I go so that, so that you can receive this gift. And they knew that the, the gift that was coming was the gift of the Holy Spirit, but they weren't quite sure why it was needed. And, and if you remember kind of back to some of the, the Easter narratives that were going on just, just a little uh, earlier than this in, in Scripture, uh, one of the things that the disciples thought was Jesus was coming to uh, create this new kingdom. And he's going to restore Israel. He was going to militarily take over. He's going to overthrow Rome. And Jesus was going to uh, then take all of his followers, restore Israel to its rightful place, and rule the, rule the world from Jerusalem. And so uh, that, that whole theory just got blown apart the day that Jesus died on the cross because that was not part of the narrative. That was not what was supposed to happen. And it left some of them very confused. And Jesus comes back to life. He appears to them. He talks to them. They realize that things have changed, but they take one just like last-ditch effort to ask Jesus, well, is this when Israel gets restored? And so Jesus, Jesus is telling them, well, actually, and then we get to verse 8. Uh, and he tells them that they are going to receive power from this gift. Now, the word for power here does not mean um, the special like, skill sets and abilities that we see when we watch Superman, Spider-Man, or, or those other things. It's not a superhuman power. The word power here is actually, in, in Greek, it's uh, dynamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from, right? And so power here does not mean special skill sets and abilities. It actually means uh, explosive energy, you are going to receive energy 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, this is, this is important for us as believers because when we, when we receive the Holy Spirit and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we receive uh, a, a, an energy or, or, or a, a, an ability to then, as we've talked about, carry out God's mission here on, the, on, on earth. How often have you tried to attempt something, and maybe it's with very good intentions, and you think that uh, you are doing this, that God wants you to do this, and you go forth and you do it, and it sucks all of the life out of you. And you, you end up feeling like a failure, and you feel like, man, that was, I shouldn't have done that. I'm never teaching that class again, or I'm not doing this again, or I'm not, I'm not helping out with, with this age group again. right? You think, you think it's, it sounds good, and you do it, and it just doesn't, it falls flat. When we are filled with the Spirit and we are doing what we were intended to be, we receive this energy. We receive this, this ability to maybe go beyond what we think we can, we can do. And we, this happens because we actually, when we, when we are filled with the Spirit, like, like we just uh, shared just a moment ago, we actually become um, how we were intended to be. And when we, we become how we were intended to be, we become the best us that we can be. Um, Josh Warburg wrote a book called The Me I Want to Be. And in that book, he talks about one day he arrives at an airport. And at this airport, um, he, he has to take a shuttle from the terminal to where he's going to get his rental car. And so he gets on one of the shuttles, and if you've ever been to an airport, you know, they're just shuttles that go in, in circles all day long, picking up people and taking them to where they need to be. And it's, very, it's a very helpless job. Uh, it, you just sit there, and it kind of drones on. You usually get that job when you first start in that kind of in that kind of business, and then they move you on to something else because it is it just your days just drone on. And so uh, when he uh, when when uh, Josh boarded this bus, he had no expectations that this was going to be life changing. And so when the door opens, immediately something is different. The driver of the bus is right there. And he greets him, and he asks him how he's doing. He asks him where his flight was going. He grabs his bag before he has any, knows anything else is going on. He puts, it on the, he puts it on the bus. He invites him on the bus. He shows him to his seat, and he just starts telling him how passionate he is about driving this bus and going around the airport, picking up people, people that he can see from the curb that are stressed out, that are late, that are, that are trying to get to where they need to be. And it becomes very clear to Josh that this bus driver is doing exactly what he's meant to do. And as he's picking up people, his, his energy becomes so um, infectious that the people aren't getting off on their stops. They actually want to stay on this bus to keep going to help this guy find more people to pick up. And they're not getting off at their stop and they're just going around and they're just having a great time on this bus. And Josh said, it's like Jesus was driving the bus that day because this man was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He would want nothing else than to be in that position, to be helping people, to be looking for people that need help. And that's exactly what he was here for. Have you ever done something where you immediately do it and all of a sudden you didn't know how much time went by, you didn't know how how much you actually accomplished because you so enjoyed what was in front of you that you realized you were doing exactly what you were meant to do at that point in time. That's exactly what we're talking about here. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we return to our natural state the way that we were supposed to be. And all of a sudden, this energy that we receive from the Holy Spirit becomes infectious. And it not just affects us, it affects everybody around us. Um, 
Nina Gunter, one of our uh, former general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene, explained it this way, and I really like this. Uh, this is a simple ink pen. And if I were to take this pen and try to dig a hole with it, it really wouldn't accomplish very much, right? Or if I were to try to take this and cut bread with it, or if I were to take this and try to use it as a hammer or a screwdriver, it could not drive my car for me. If I tried to use this ink pen for anything else, it would be what? It'd be a failure at anything else. But when this ink pen is put in the right hands, this ink pen can create jobs. This ink pen can write symphonies. This ink pen can write an amazing novel. This ink pen is doing exactly what this ink pen was designed to do. And when you and I become a holy Christ follower, we are exactly that. We are finally doing exactly what we were sent on this earth to do. And so often, do we not realize, do we not see people looking exactly for this? They, they're looking for the meaning of life in so many different places. And we have the answer. We know exactly why we're here. We know exactly what we were meant to be. We know exactly why we were made. We were made to be Christ followers, filled with the Holy Spirit, in an exclusive relationship that is set forth by God. What, uh, what keeps us from doing that? Well, sin. Sin entangles us, as we're told from Scripture, and it keeps us from experiencing that power, from that energy that we receive from the Spirit. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And when you see the word therefore in Scripture, you know that you then have to go find out what it's there for, right? you got to go back and you got to look at what comes before, and you gotta, you got to find out why it says that. Well, it just got done in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews just got done laying out all of these examples of faith all throughout the, the, the Scripture. Talking about Moses and talking about Noah and talking about people who exemplified being a God follower and the faith that they had. And therefore, since we have those examples, since we have those witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. When we allow sin to come in our life, even if, it's, even if we think it's just a small thing, sin starts to entangle us. And then all of a sudden, when we're needing to be used by God, we can't because we are entangled with sin. It's kind of like we're getting ready to do a 5K, right? We're getting ready to run and, and, and have a, a, well, a race or a walk or whatever some of us want to call it. And uh, if, 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 we don't, if we don't train for this, it's going to be very hard to actually run an actual race that's that uh, long of a distance. Now, some of you are runners, and you're like, 5K is not a long distance. But for people like me, it is. And so um, when we allow, when, when we don't train, when we don't get our, our bodies in the right physical shape to, to, take, uh, to, to do this kind of this work and this kind of effort, then all of a sudden we're dealing with muscles that aren't prepared. We're dealing with... Um, extra body fat that keeps us from being able to do what we need to do. Our, we don't have the endurance. Our heart's not ready for something like that. And that's the same way that sin works. 
It wants to slow us down. It wants to make us not useful. But living a holy life is to be ready. It's to, be, it's to allow God to come in and to clear out all that tangled mess of sin. And it's, it's allowing us to be ready, to be used, to be, have that energy, to be that effective in what we do. So then we come, uh, going back to, to Acts uh, 1.8, we come to the very uh, the second part of that, of that verse that we were just in. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then we read on. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word witness here is, is what I want to focus on. Witness equals uh, not necessarily... Um, like the way we think of a witness today, we think of uh, a witness as somebody who's just a mere observer. Uh, They might go to a court and they might share what they saw for a certain trial or for a certain thing. But witness, in in this terminology, in this day and age, when Luke was writing the book of Acts, when he wrote the word witness, he knew exactly what he was putting down. In those days, when an emperor or when a king would take over power from another emperor or king, they would then send out heralds all throughout the empire of the kingdom to let everybody know that the leader has changed. There is a new king. There is a new person in power. And so Jesus, uh, and, and this kind of goes back to what I, I was talking about before we, we, we dove into this verse. The disciples were asking one last time, you know, is this, is this the moment? Is this when you're going to actually restore everything and going to do what we thought you were going to do? And by saying this, Jesus actually says, well, yeah, kind of. It's not the way that you think. It's not militarily. I'm not going to take over physically. I'm actually getting ready to leave. But what you are going to do is exactly that. You're going to go out into the world and you're going to tell them that a new king is in power. You're telling them that a new kingdom has been formed and you're inviting them to join with you. And you're going to do it with this power, this energy that you're going to get by becoming the best you you can possibly be. And we know that right after this moment, they go back to Jerusalem, they replace the 12th disciple, and then the Holy Spirit comes. And what immediately happens? They go out into the streets of Jerusalem, and they carry this out. They become the heralds for Jesus because they're filled with the Spirit, because they have the the capability of doing this. Peter, if you follow Peter, Peter was not the man who would stand up and preach the best sermon of his life and save 3,000 people. But he received the energy, he received the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And so this morning, that's how we're we're ending this whole series. Is by focusing on letting God use us for his mission. We are the heralds going out into the kingdom to tell, tell the world there is a new king in power. And he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to make you exclusively his And when you do that, you become exactly what you're looking for. You find the exact meaning that you're looking for in life. We receive energy from the Holy Spirit and we receive our purpose, which is to help God carry out His mission in the world. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're getting ready to close. And I I just felt like uh, doing a, a benediction with you this morning. And this is... Uh, this is not just for this morning. This is actually, I, I feel like, for the, whole, for the whole series. And if you've never uh, heard or, or been a part of a, a benediction before, it's painless. 
Uh, what I'm going to do is just simply say this over you. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go. Uh, but I, I just want you to hear this this morning. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this, this series that we've been going through to focus on, on what holiness means, to focus on, on what it means for our life and why we go through this process, why it's important for us to be uh, tethered in an in a exclusive relationship with you. And so that's so we can go out into the world and we can help uh, participate in your mission to save the world. When you sent Jesus to the, to the earth, you said that you didn't send him to condemn this world, but you sent him to save it. And so, God, this morning, we just want to let you know that that's what we want to do. We want to help you save the world any way that we can, any way that we can. And we pray that that spirit that gives energy would come upon us and that we would be able to go out and do things uh, with um, the ability that we never thought we would have to do. Uh, and that's by becoming exactly who we were meant to be from the very beginning. Go with us today. We thank you for this time we've had to be with you. Shining that we pray. Amen.